0: may be seated. As you're being seated, I want you to open your Bibles with me to uh, Galatians chapter 4. We are continuing to unpack God's truth for our lives and relationships in our study through Galatians. As we have seen the past couple of weeks, Paul got personal with these believers in chapter 4. Paul was frustrated with these believers because of the way they welcomed him at first when he came to them initially and shared the good news of the gospel, the gospel they believed in, received, and welcomed him. He planted the churches there, and they loved him. And then when he left them and went back to Antioch, now these believers don't want to listen to Paul they don't want to have anything to do with Paul because the false teachers had come in once Paul left, and they were excluding these believers from Paul and ultimately from God. Paul wrote in Galatians 4 in verse 20, I would like to be with you right now and change my tone of voice because I don't know what to do about you. He said, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do anymore with you guys. I'd love to be with you there in person. Though Paul was frustrated with them, he did not give up on them. Though Paul was frustrated with these believers, he didn't give up on these believers. This is the reflection of the greater point in this passage. Paul's greater point is this, God doesn't give up on us. God doesn't give up on us. Though we Turn away from him and sin against him at times. Though we say things we shouldn't say at times. Though we do things we shouldn't do at times. Though we listen to and follow the ways of this world rather than God and the truth of his word at times, we know God doesn't give up on us. Say that with me. God doesn't give up on us. God loves us. God convicts us when we sin against him. God forgives us when we confess our sins to him. God restores us, renews us, and God continues his work of forming Christ in us day by day. God doesn't give up on us. Though Paul got frustrated with believer, these believers, he didn't give up on these believers. Instead, he told them a story. He told these believers a story. Paul used this story to explain the superiority of grace and faith over the law and works. You must understand this point if anything that we're going to say this morning is going to make any sense to you. This entire passage is summarized, and Paul used the story in this passage. We're going to look at a story this morning. He used this story to emphasize the superiority of grace and faith over the law and works, which is exactly what he had been saying throughout chapters 3 and chapter 4. He's going to end with a story here in chapter 4. And so let's look in verse 21. Tell me, Paul wrote, you who want to be under the law, don't you hear the law? Paul said, tell me, listen to me, tell me. He's getting direct with these believers. You who want to be under the law. The you obviously spoke to, Paul was referring to the false teachers, the Judaizers, and all these believers in these churches who were turning from God and putting themselves back under the power, the mastery, the control of the law. The you were those who were trying to get to God by their works for God. They were trying to earn God's approval and acceptance by their works for God. Paul said, tell me you who want to be under the law. Don't you hear the law? He said, don't you hear what you're saying? Don't you understand what you're doing? Do you even get what you're saying here? He said, remember the law demands obedience all the time obey all the law all the time which is impossible for us because all of sin and falls short of the glory of god the law enslaves us jesus is the only one who ever obeyed and fulfilled the law perfectly he's the only one who ever obeyed all the law all the time therefore jesus opened the only way to god By his perfect life, death, burial, and resurrection. Therefore, Paul said, the way to get to God is by God's grace through faith, not by works. Paul said, do you even hear what you're saying? You don't want to go under the law. The law enslaves, grace frees. He said, you don't even understand what you're saying. The only way to get to God is by God's grace through faith in Jesus. Paul said, for it is written that Abraham had two sons. Here's the story. For it is written, Abraham had two sons, one by a slave and the other by a free woman. So this is the introduction of the story in this passage. Paul said, for it is written, which referred back to the Old Testament scriptures. It referred back to the law, the first five books of the Bible. Specifically, Paul referred back to Genesis. For it is written, meant, these are God's words and our authority. For it is written, Paul said, for it is written, Two more times in this passage. Note, Paul used the truth of God's word to make his point about the superiority of grace over the law. He used the word of God, for he said, For it is written. He used the word of God to make his point that grace is superior to the law, faith is superior to works. And so he jumped right in. He said, For it is written. He said that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave and the other by a free woman. Paul jumped right into the story, right into the illustration about Abraham's two sons. So let's do what Paul didn't. For just a moment, let's give a background to this story so that you can understand the story. You need to understand a background so you can understand the story that we're getting ready to walk through in this passage. The background is this, as we have already learned in our study, God Promised, he made a covenant promise to Abraham in the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 15 to make Abraham great. To bless Abraham and to bless all the peoples on earth through Abraham. To make Abraham's offspring as numerous as the stars in the sky. God fulfilled his covenant promise to Abraham through the birth and the line of the promised seed of Abraham that is Christ Jesus. All peoples on earth, Jews and Gentiles, are able to receive the blessing of God through Abraham by God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus. Galatians chapter 3 verse 14, Paul made this clear. He said the purpose was that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles, to all peoples by Christ Jesus, so that we could receive the promised spirit through faith. We receive God's promise of life by faith. The way to the promise of God was and is and always will be by faith. Remember, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. God declared Abraham was right with him by Abraham's faith in him. We are declared right with God by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. So we see here. The background, we're starting to get the understanding of this background. We need to take a moment and identify the three seeds of Abraham so that we can understand, again, the fullness of this story. Three seeds of Abraham, biblically, that we see in the Word. The first seed is the spiritual seed. The spiritual seed of Abraham. The promi- let, let me. That's the third. I'm jumping ahead of myself. I'm so excited I'm jumping ahead of myself. I'm going right to us. I've got to start at the beginning. Got to start at the beginning. The first is the promise seed. The promise seed leads to spiritual seed. So you already know the answer to number three. You can fill it in. The promise seed. The promise seed is Christ Jesus. We've discussed this in verse 16. Paul wrote, now the promises are spoken to Abraham and to his seed, singular seed. He does not say into seeds as they're referring to many, but referring to one and to your seed, singular, who is Christ. So the promised seed of Abraham is Christ Jesus. It's singular. It's one. That's first and foremost. Second is the physical seed. The physical seed of Abraham are the descendants of Abraham by birth. The physical seed of Abraham are the descendants of Abraham by birth. The Jews by way of Abraham's son Isaac and the Arabs by way of Abraham's son Ishmael. We know the Jews, they were proud. They took pride in being part of the physical lineage of Abraham. The Jews were very proud that Abraham was their father. The Jews believed that they were right with God because Abraham was their father and because of their works for God. All the works that they did, obeying the law, circumcision, and all the works for God, they believed that this made them right with God. In the New Testament, in the Gospel of John, we see that the Jews got so angry, the unbelieving Jews got so angry with Jesus that they argued with Jesus And they tried to stone Jesus when Jesus told them just because you're Abraham's physical seed doesn't mean you're right with God. They were angry. They tried to stone Jesus. So there's the promised seed, Christ Jesus. There's the physical seed of Abraham. There are his descendants by birth. The Jews through Isaac. The Arabs through Ishmael. And now the third is the spiritual seed. The spiritual seed Is everyone, all peoples on earth, Jews and Gentiles, who have received the blessing of God through Abraham by God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus. Chapter 3, verse 7. Paul said, you know then that all those who have faith, these are Abraham's sons. Look at chapter 3, verse 29. And if you belong to Christ then you are Abraham's seed, heirs according to the promise. If you belong to Christ, you're Abraham's seed. Heirs according to the promise. We are the spiritual children of Abraham by faith in Jesus. We're the spiritual seed of Abraham by faith in Christ Jesus. So now, back to the background of the story, because this is going to make sense as we get into this passage. God promised Abraham and Sarah that he would make their offspring as numerous as the stars in the sky. And when God made this promise to Abraham, he and Sarah were childless. When God made this promise to Abraham, he was 75 years old. Abraham and Sarah believed God. They waited on God, but they got impatient with God. And they decided to help God out. Say bad move. Say real bad move. Real bad move. Here's how they decided to help God out. Sarah decided, I'm going to give my slave girl, Hagar, to my husband, Abraham, so that Hagar can sleep with Abraham, so that Hagar could give Abraham a son, because I'm childless, I've not been able to do that. Therefore, Hagar's son, through Abraham, would be the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham years ago. Clearly, obviously, not Abraham and Sarah's finest moment of faith. Hagar gave birth to Abraham's son, Ishmael. Abraham was 86 years old when Ishmael was born. Sarah later gave birth to Abraham's son, Isaac. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. Sarah was 90 years old when Isaac was born, therefore the supernatural birth due to their age. Abraham and Sarah waited on God, waited for God, waited with God to fulfill his promise to them for 25 years. He was 75 when God made his promise to him. God fulfilled his promise through the birth of Isaac when he was 100, 75 years. To hundred, It's 25 years Abraham and Sarah waited for God to fulfill his promise to them. Now, let's go back to verse 22. For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave and the other by a free woman. Abraham's son Ishmael was by Hagar, Sarah's slave. That's what he's referring to here in verse 22. Abraham's son Ishmael was by Sarah Hagar, Sarah's slave. Isaac was Abraham's son by Sarah, Abraham's wife, the free woman. So he said, tell me who you want to be under the law. Don't you hear the law? For it's written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave and the other by a free woman. He's telling the story here, the two sons. Verse 23, but the one by the slave was born as a result of the flesh, while the one by the free woman was born through promise. But the one by the slave was born as a result of the flesh. The one Ishmael born to Hagar was born as a result of the flesh. That meant Ishmael was born the natural way by the fleshly interaction of Abraham and Hagar. Abraham and Sarah sinned against God. They thought since Sarah was childless, they needed to help God out. And they brought Hagar to Abraham, which produced the son Ishmael. Abraham and Sarah tried to fulfill God's covenant promise to them by their flesh. By doing it their way. God's promises are always fulfilled to us. God always fulfills his promises to us through faith. So he says in verse 23, but the one by the slave was born as a result of the flesh, while the one by the free woman was born through promise. Isaac, born to Sarah, was born through promise. That means God supernaturally enabled Abraham and Sarah to conceive and Sarah to give birth to their son Isaac because of their advanced age. Paul used these two births, with these two moms and these two births, to make his point. Here's the point. Ishmael's natural birth pointed to man who tries to get to God by their flesh, by their works for God. Isaac's supernatural birth points to the promise of salvation by God, which opens the way for us to get to God by faith in God. The promised seed, Christ Jesus, came through the line of Isaac if you look in Matthew's genealogy the genealogy of Jesus when you get all the way to the end and you have the birth of Jesus Mary gives birth to Jesus you get all the way to the end you go to the beginning of the list and the beginning of the list says this Abraham fathered Isaac So what Paul was saying here is nothing not even Abraham and Sarah's sin stopped God's promise from being fulfilled to them through the birth of Isaac which ultimately led to the promised seed Jesus Christ. So he continues in verse 24, follow me now, these things are being taken figuratively for the women represent two covenants, one is from Mount Sinai and bears children into slavery, this is Hagar. So Paul said this, these things are being taken figuratively. Paul used an actual literal story from Genesis, the birth of Abraham's two sons, to uh, make a point. You use it as a story, as an illustration in Galatians. And so what he said was, these two women, uh, these women represent two covenants. We got two women, two sons, two covenants. So we see Hagar represents the Mosaic Old Covenant from Mount Sinai, which is the law. It's where God gave the law to Moses. The law demands obedience. Obey all the law all the time. So the reason Paul said that this bears children into slavery, this covenant from Mount Sinai, it bears children into slavery, is simply the reason that we cannot obey all the law all the time because of our sin against God. So the law bears Uh, children into slavery because we can't fulfill all the law all the time. We are sinners. We are separated from God because of our sin against God. The law enslaves. Grace and faith in Jesus frees. And so Paul is identifying these two separate paths, these two separate covenants. And he says, this first covenant, Hagar represented the Mosaic Old Covenant, which was from Mount Sinai. It refers to the law. The law bears children into slavery. We're all born with that sinful flesh, and we're enslaved to our sin. It separates us from God because we can't obey all the law all the time. We can't get to God on our own. And he continued in verse 25, and he said, Now Hagar represents Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem, for she is in slavery with her children. Here's what he's saying. Hagar represented uh, this covenant. Hagar, he said, represents Mount Sinai in Arabia because this was the place where God gave the law to Moses. And it corresponds with present-day Jerusalem, Paul said, because present-day Jerusalem in Paul's day and today is the center of legalism. It's the center of these unbelieving Jews where they come together to worship God and they try to get to God by their works for God. And they're trying to get to God through the flesh, their works. It's the Mosaic Old Covenant. The law bears children into slavery. It represents the present Jerusalem attempts to get to God by our works for God. Paul was identifying two roads. He's sharing two roads. There's a road of law and works, and there's the road of grace and faith. And Paul connected the dots in this passage. So follow me, here's the connection. The this is the line. This is the connection to the road of law and works. It comes in this manner. Abraham, Hagar, Ishmael, Mosaic Old Covenant, present day earthly Jerusalem, bondage to the law, works, slavery, condemnation, death in hell. Those who travel the road of law and works, that's the connection, that's the line they're traveling. The law ultimately leads to death and hell separated from God for all eternity. It started with Abraham, Hagar, Ishmael, the Mosaic Old Covenant, present-day earthly Jerusalem, bondage to the law, works, slavery, condemnation, death and hell, separated from God. So he continues now. Look what he says in verse 26. But, say that with me, but the Jerusalem above is free and she is our mother. Now here's the other covenant the Jerusalem above is free and she is our mother. What he is saying here is that Jerusalem above is free described all those who get to God by God's grace through faith in Jesus. The Jerusalem above corresponds to Sarah, who represented the promise of Abraham, the promise of God to Abraham, which pointed to the new covenant of God's grace by faith in Jesus, the promised seed of Abraham. So he identified the road of law and works, and it ultimately leads to death and hell. Now, Paul is sharing about the other woman, the other covenant, the other son, and he's saying this is the law of grace and faith. And so he connected the dots once again. The law of grace and faith travels like this. Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, the Abrahamic new covenant, the Jerusalem above, salvation by God's grace, Faith, freedom, forgiveness, eternity with God in heaven one day. Two distinct roads, two distinct destinations. Two women, two moms, two sons, two covenants. And so we see what Paul was saying is this. Paul's point to these believers. Remember, he's making a point to these believers and he was saying this. Though you guys are the spiritual seed of Abraham and Sarah through Isaac, which is represented by faith, you are living like you are the physical seed of Abraham and Hagar through Ishmael in that you are trying to work your way to God. They were trying to get to God by their works for God. So what Paul is literally saying to them in this passage is leave Hagar and come back to Sarah. Leave the law and works and bondage and come back to grace and faith and freedom in Jesus. We belong to the Jerusalem above by faith in Jesus. We are free in Jesus. Today, us. That's a hallelujah point, right? Say hallelujah. hallelujah. This is awesome. This is amazing news that he's sharing with these believers. Now, look, he continues, and he says, For it is written, Rejoice, childless woman, unable to give birth. Burst into song and shout, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate woman will be many, much more numerous than those of the woman who has a husband. Paul says, quoted Isaiah chapter 54 verse 1 here. Paul was letting these believers know through his quote back in the Old Testament, as Isaiah quoted this to the Jews there, he's saying that Sarah would be able to rejoice because there was coming a time when Sarah, the barren, childless, desolate woman, would actually have more offspring than Hagar. What? He was saying in the Old Testament that Paul grabbed the Old Testament to make his point in the New Testament is this, Sarah's childlessness, as one Bible scholar said, Sarah's childlessness turned into fruitfulness. Her childlessness turned into fruitfulness because we know that grace wins out over the law. We know faith in Jesus wins out over the works of the law. We know and understand this. How do we know that her children will be much more numerous than those of Hagar? We know because the promised seed of Abraham and Sarah is Jesus Christ. And all peoples on earth, Jews and Gentiles, come into a relationship with God by God's grace through faith in Jesus. This is amazing. So he's sharing with these believers that, that they could rejoice. Sarah rejoice in the Lord, because she saw the fulfillment of God's promise. And he's telling these believers, he's reminding these believers who have turned away from them and who have turned away from him and who've turned to follow the false teachers. He's reminding them, you guys can rejoice in God's faithfulness. If you'll return, he'll be faithful to welcome you back and restore you He's trying to, again, pull them back. He's showing the superiority of grace and faith over the law and works. He continues. He says in verse 28, this is awesome. Now you too, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. Get a hold of this. As Isaac was supernaturally born, To Abraham and Sarah, so we as followers of Jesus Christ are supernaturally born again by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ, the promised seed of Abraham. As Isaac received the blessing of God to Abraham, we receive the blessings of God through Abraham by faith in Abraham's promised seed, Jesus Christ. This is A beautiful testimony of this grace at work. Now you too, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. Listen, that means for you and me today, we are children of promise, not the law. We are children of Sarah. We are not children of Hagar. Amen? Sarah is the mother of the spiritual seed. We are children of Sarah, the spiritual seed of Abraham and Sarah. We are not children of Hagar. He continues in verse 29, but just as then... The child born as a result of the flesh persecuted the one born as a result of the Spirit, so also now. Paul said, Just as Ishmael, the son of Hagar, the slave woman, persecuted and mocked Isaac, the son of Sarah, the wife and free woman, so the false teachers were mocking these believers. He's letting them know. These false teachers are mocking you and the truth of the Word of God that he's used in the Old Testament to prove the point to them. We know what Paul said in previous passages. Paul says again here, and this has always been the case, and it's simply this, those who believe the way to God is by works for God, those who are caught up in legalism, those who are in bondage to the law, those who believe they're right with God because of who they are and their works for God, always persecute and mock those who are free in Christ Jesus, those who believe in God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus, those who are legalists mock and persecute those who are free in the grace of God in Christ Jesus. This has always been the case, Paul reminded them. And we know this. All we have to do is look at the example of who better than our, son, our, our Savior, God's Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus faced his most consistent, violent, strongest opposition from who? The Jewish religious leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, and the teachers of the law. They constantly wanted to kill him. Why? Because they were legalists. They were in bondage to the law. Jesus was coming to set us free from the law, and they missed it. And so we see here, this continues today. This message of freedom in Christ Jesus is just too much for some people to accept because they think there's no way it can be that easy. Well, easy, you may think it's easy on our end, but it wasn't easy for Jesus Christ. And it's not easy for us because that freedom in Christ calls for a death from us. We die to sin itself and we're raised to a new life in Christ Jesus. And so we see, He's sharing this amazing passage, so also now. That is also, a believe it or not, get a hold of this now. This word was written a couple thousand years ago. And so also now, you know what that still points to? You know what that still points to today. It still points to the Israeli-Arab tension and conflict in the Middle East that has not ever stopped. That started back with Ishmael and Isaac. Isaac and Ishmael, it started with Ishmael persecuting and mocking Isaac years and years ago. Tell me this word isn't relevant today. This word is so good. Now let's continue. This is good. But what does Scripture say? It says this, drive out. He says it is written. In other words, what does this Scripture say? That's another it is written point. It says, drive out the slave and her son, for the son of the slave will never be a co-heir with the son of the free woman. Again, this is taken from Genesis. And what happened in Genesis was Sarah Came to Abraham, and Sarah said to Abraham, Abraham, drive out, cast out, send away Hagar and her son Ishmael, because I have seen Ishmael, I have heard Ishmael mocking and persecuting Isaac. He's persecuting, so you gotta send him away. Which God came to Abraham, and Abraham was hurting with this decision, and God said, I'll take care of Hagar and Ishmael, do as Sarah said. Go ahead, because the seed is coming through Isaac. So what was Paul's point here to these believers in verse 30 with this passage from Genesis? Here's his point. Paul said this. Just as Sarah told Abraham, drive out, cast out, send away Hagar and Ishmael, he's saying to these believers, drive out, cast out, send out the false teachers because they are leading you away from God. They're leading you away from the truth of God. He's telling them to know those who try to get to God by their works for God will ultimately be cast out by God. Because there's only one way to God. And that's by faith in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. And then he, he continues in verse 31. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we're not children of a slave, but of the free woman. He ends... This testimony, this story, and he says that we are heirs of God, that we are sons and daughters of God, that we are co-heirs with one another. We're brothers and sisters in Christ by God's grace through faith in Jesus. We are no longer in bondage to the law. We are free in Jesus. We are children of Sarah. We're not children of Hagar. Paul's point to this illustration of this story that he begun in, in verse 21, that he had started back in verse 21, is simply this, grace and faith is superior to the law and works. Freedom in Jesus is superior to bondage to the law. So what is our application today? What's our application? What can we take away today? Real simple application point uh, this morning, and that is simply this, wait for God. Wait for God Wait for God. Sarah and Abraham learned this lesson the hard way. Wait for God. Abraham and Sarah believed in God. They waited for God to fulfill his promise to them, but they got impatient with God, and they took matters into their own hands, and they did for God what they thought was best, which turned out to be the birth of Ishmael through Hagar. Now, we know, thankfully, Abraham and Sarah returned to God and refocused on God, and they were right with God by their faith in God because God fulfilled his covenant promise to them through the birth of Isaac. It happened 14 years after the birth of Ishmael. And so we know and understand as we look at this passage today, the clear message for us is wait for God. We know the motto of many people today, including Christ followers, the motto of many people today, including Christ followers, is much like the motto that Abraham and Sarah followed here in this passage. And that motto is one word. It's a simple motto. Now, now, now. Whether it's waiting for God to answer our prayer, whether it's waiting for God to change our circumstances, whether it's waiting for God to bless us or others whether it's waiting for God to change us or others whether it's waiting for God to heal us or others whether it's waiting for God to help us or others whether it's waiting for God to use us or others whether it's waiting for God to show us the decision he wants us to take or whether it's waiting for God to show others the decision he wants them to take or any other point and purpose or reason that we find ourselves in God's waiting room we want God to act now because we hate to wait. We hate to wait. We want it now. And this message that we see this morning is wait for God. Unfortunately, we are just like Abraham and Sarah so many times. We believe God. We trust God. We wait for God, but then we get impatient with God because we are operating on our timetable, not God's. And we inevitably take matters into our own hands. We try to help God out. We try to do for God what he's wanting us to wait for him to do for us. And we go about and make decisions and we make choices and we do things that aren't part of what God wants for us. And it leads us further and further away from God and it complicates the matter more and more and more, just as we see here in this passage. With Abraham and with Sarah. You see, when God takes us into his waiting room, it's for our good. He brings us into his waiting room so that he can speak to us, so that he can pour his love into us, so that he can grow us, so he can stretch us, so he can remind us Of his presence, and his power, and his peace. I firmly believe God brings us to his waiting room to slow us down, to stop us, so that we'll rest, so that we'll listen, that we will be still and know that he is God and that he will be exalted in the heavens. And he will be exalted on earth. So we have this battle that rages in us, much like it did with Abraham and Sarah. Wait, wait, wait. So three things we see we can do real quick. That Abraham and Sarah, we see in this passage that Paul reminded these believers that they needed to do. As we wait for God, we need to trust in God's faithfulness. We trust that God's faithful. God was faithful. He fulfilled his promise to Abraham and Sarah. That's the good news. That's the end of the story. He fulfilled his promise because guess what? That means it's good news for you and me. Because Isaac was born, which led to the ultimate birth of the promised seed, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our God is a faithful God. Our God is a trustworthy God. God is faithful to fulfill his promises to you and to me. The promises in his word, God is faithful to fulfill those promises. God's promises are fulfilled on His time, not our time. His time is the right time. It's never early. It's never late. It's always on time. Always. So if you're in God's waiting room, waiting on a healing, if you're in God's waiting room, waiting on a recovery, if you're in God's waiting room, waiting on some comfort due to an area of suffering, if you're in God's waiting room, waiting on a a job uh, to to come your way, if you're in God's waiting room, waiting on a decision about an important situation that you're dealing with or if you're in God's waiting room, waiting on a family member, a friend, or a a close uh, person in your life to Come back to faith in Christ Jesus because they wandered away from God. If you're in God's waiting room, waiting for a family member or a friend to receive God's gift of salvation by God's grace through faith in Christ Jesus, as you wait, trust in God's faithfulness. Trust in his faithfulness. Be still and know he's God. Secondly, rejoice in God's blessings. And we are, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Abraham and Sarah received the blessing of God through the birth of their son Isaac. And we see and know and understand that we can rejoice in all of God's blessings. In those times where we're in God's waiting room, we can rejoice because we know God is with us. God loves us. God's watching over us. God's working in us, through us, and around us. And all that God's doing in his work of forming Christ in us is for our best. It's according to his good purpose for us. So as we go through those seasons of waiting, we trust in God's faithfulness. We rejoice in God's blessings. And then we walk by faith in Jesus. We just keep walking by faith. As we wait for God, we continue to walk by faith in God. We do exactly what he told us to do the last time he spoke to us. We continue to follow him by faith in obedience to the truth of his word. And Almighty God placed his Holy Spirit in our lives to empower us with the desire and the strength to follow Jesus by faith, which happens as we turn to Jesus and talk with Jesus and trust in Jesus. Whether that's you going through this waiting room season or you're ministering to someone close to you who's in a waiting room, encourage them to keep walking by faith, keep walking by faith, keep walking by faith. I love what David the Psalmist said in Psalm 27 verse 14. He said, wait for the Lord, be strong, let your heart be courageous, wait for the Lord. David understood this. David knew the power, the blessing of waiting for the Lord. We know the blessing that comes to us of waiting for the Lord because as we wait for the Lord, it gives us the opportunity to see once again, fresh and new on a day by day basis, that our God is the way maker, He is the miracle worker, He is the promise keeper, He is the light in the darkness. He is our God. He is faithful. He is trustworthy. He is loving. He is gracious. He is kind. He is strong. He is wise. And He meets us at our point of need. He meets us in our weakness. And His strength is perfected in those moments as we simply fall on our knees in dependence, reliance, and trust in Him. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart be courageous. Wait for the Lord. He ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team's going to come and lead in this time of invitation. It's our opportunity to respond. Once again, God's made it clear to us that grace is far superior to the law. And faith in Jesus is much preferred over the works of the law that do nothing but enslave and wear us out. So I want to encourage you to respond to the Lord in obedience to him this morning. The altar is open as it always is. You want to come and kneel and do business with the Father. Maybe you want to bless a brother or sister, a husband or wife. You want to come and pray with them, pray for them. Our pastors will be up at the front. Our ministers will be standing at the front to pray with you, pray over you. It's our opportunity to respond. Just to simply, maybe it's to trust in God's faithfulness. Maybe you're at a point in your life where what you want is God's making it clear. Man, trust, trust, trust in His faithfulness. Maybe God's making the point clear to you to rejoice in His blessings in the midst of your discouragement, in the midst of the chaos surrounding you and your circumstances, in the midst of your waiting room. Rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Or maybe it's just simply to, can you walk in by faith, crying out to God, dependence on him, asking him to fill you with the desire and the strength to wait for him, to be of cur- good courage and to wait. If you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord, today is the day of salvation. We'd love to introduce you to Jesus. You can be changed from the inside out by placing your faith in Jesus. This morning, We would love to introduce you to Jesus. Let's stand and let's respond in obedience to the Lord this morning.